You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones and the Temple Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the trailers, box art, and behind the scenes, and we're dartboarding it. It's going completely random. All I did was look in my cubbies, and then I had a randomized number thing, and I picked out a random video. Matt, what did I pick out? You picked Shadow Zone, the Undead Express. Evergreen Entertainment presents Welcome aboard the Undead Express. Ron Silver of Kissinger and Nixon and Reversal of Fortune and Chauncey Leopardi of Casper and the Sandlot in a film critics are calling a first-rate thriller, a bewitching story where Ron Silver delivers a delicious performance. Shadows of the Undead Express. This kind of looks like... A ghost train. A world where fantasy meets reality. I got on the subway and they were all vampires. A world of eternal darkness. A world of living nightmares. Real vampires. That will not die. It's almost over. A world called the Shadow Zone. Mm, yes. You know what? When I think about like kids, goosebump type horror, I always think, you know, a good combination would be Showtime and Hallmark. Yeah, I, I had uh, ne- never seen this before, obviously, because uh, it's a weird one. But I knew about it. I remembered that this was like a Showtime original movie. So when you told me that we were going to do this, I was like, the Showtime one? Uh, but that's all I remembered about this movie was that it was a Showtime original from yep. like the mid 90s. <laughs> yeah, because there was another Shadow Zone, right? From like 19 early 90s, it had uh what's his name in it from Big Trouble Little China. Yeah, it's uh it's a full moon movie, Shadow Zone. It's from 1990. Um it's the second full moon movie after uh Puppet Master. Yeah. So I was a little confused too. Uh, I was like, huh? This is not that Shadow Zone. This is a different one. It, this is based on a series of like YA young adult uh, novels. Yeah, J.R. Black wrote them? Never heard of them, though. Me I don't neither. think I ever picked uh, up any of these books uh, as a kid. But uh, the, I guess it's the Shadow Zone series, right? That's the name of the... Or is that just the name of the movies? Is that the name of the books or is that the name of the just the movie series? What I... Th- think showtime was doing was either trying to set up like a tales from the crypt like they'll do the movie first on the one that they thought they'd have the best chance of getting uh, like an audience and then just doing a bunch of series on it just called the shadow zone yeah i kind of got that vibe that it was trying to be like a tales from the crypt thing but it's weird to have like sort of like a it's not it's almost to goosebumps but it's more it's PG thirteen, so it's a little it's a little harder than Goosebumps. But then like why is that on Showtime? You know, like Showtime you can get away with anything. Plus, from what I remember, Tales from the Crypt started in the late eighties, right? 
Yeah. On HBO. Mm-hmm. So it seems like really like too far along into the 90s for this to come out and be like... I, I know like Tales from the Crypt probably ended, what, 93, 94? 96. So 96. the same year as this started. Okay. All right. So they... I don't know. Maybe they were trying to like, well, you know, that, that show is like running... To its last episode, in a way, it's just like trailing off. Maybe we'll do that. And plus, Goosebumps was sort of a, you know I don't remember when Goosebumps was popular, but it's somewhere in the nineties. Yeah, it was right around this time. Yeah, this is like the end of Tales from the Crypt, the beginning of Goosebumps, right around this time. And it lumped in here is whatever the hell Shadow Zone is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's odd. I and to me, I, there's a lot of things in this movie that I just kind of looked at and was like, huh. Like, where, what direction are we going in? <laughs> like, I, I didn't understand uh, a lot of things. And when we actually break down the movie, I can talk more about it. But I can tell you one thing. There's not going to be much on the behind the scenes. Yeah, it's a it's a it's not a lot about the movie. Like, the information that's out there about the book series, but that's about it. Yeah, this seemed like it was just put out. I'm not going to say quick and dirty because there's some love to it. You can see uh, definitely with some things. Yeah, they're trying to turn this into a franchise. You could tell this is is or a series or a series of movies, whatever way they're they're aiming with this. Yeah, I guess we can just uh, go ahead and describe this box art because if you're walking down a blockbuster, uh, Hollywood video, whatever, this captures your attention if you're a kid. Yeah, it just says Shadows on the Undead Express at the top. Uh, Ron Silver's name is above the title. And it's just a vampire face. It's a red vampire face, like fangs exposed, mouth open. And within the mouth is this train. And underneath the train, it says, Next Stop Hell. Uh Uh-oh, good tagline. I would almost say this one, to me, feels more like definitely something for adults. It, there's nothing overly graphic or anything about it, but like, I don't know. I don't see this on a kid's shelf. This doesn't scream goosebumps to me. This looks more like, a, you know, a To Die For or what were some of those other 90s uh, vampire direct-to-video movies, something like that. This looks more like those, not so much kids. This doesn't scream kids to me, but yeah, I would want to pick it up. <laughs> yeah the cover looks like something an adult would rent and then you look at the back and you're immediately like oh it's a kids horror film kind of because it's pg-13 so it's not quite like the pg of like goosebumps yeah very weird very strange yeah i don't think they knew how to market this yeah so let's take a look at the back here and here's what here's what this is about if you're like what are they talking about here <laughs> uh, the there's a review from the Hollywood reporter that says delicious a combo of ooze schmooze and charisma I don't know what that is <laughs> here's our description Zach Zach loved horror movies then suddenly he found himself living one when he took a wrong turn down a long abandoned New York tunnel there he meets an enigmatic Valentine cutter Ron Silver who introduces him to his fellow passengers of the undead Express and an intriguing new underworld of possibilities. A strange friendship with this urbane vampire grows, but so does the danger, as the seductive cutter convinces Zack to aid him in his quest to return to the teeming world above ground. If you think evil really doesn't exist, if you think you know who your friends really are, you're definitely on the wrong track in the Shadow Zone. Hmm, okay. Well, yeah, if I'd have read that description as a kid, I wouldn't have cared. Nothing is particularly exciting. No. No. I'm not. I'm not like. Oh, I really want to see this vampire train thing. No. <laughs> and I'm wondering, is like, was this the best story out of these Shadow Zone books? 
So the only Shadow Zone book I guess I had ever heard of was the movie that they made second, because there's two of these. They made uh, My Teacher Ate My Homework, uh, mm. which I remember the title. I don't ever read it or anything, but I remember the title of that. That was the second movie they made. The, yeah, this was the best. I feel like this was maybe just the longest that they Probably. could adapt into a 90-minute thing, because I, I can't imagine this being like the Shadow Zone's top seller. Yeah, and it's kind of odd, the kid that they got. Um, mm, Chauncey? Yeah. Chauncey uh, Lepardi? Uh, yeah, well, it's just, I'm just calling him Squints. Yeah, for, you know him from The Sandlot. Nobody else really in this except for a quick appearance from Wes Craven. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is fun. And then Ron Silver, of course, whose name is like above the title, uh, who you've seen in a bunch of like action movies and stuff. Um, but that's, that's it. No yeah. other real names in this. Ron Silver, to me, I always know him as two two things. He's the bad guy in Time Cop. Yep. Who wants to be president? Yep. And I and I love him in that because he's got a great voice. Yeah. And he's got good camera presence. Uh, I pay attention to him. He's the best thing in this movie that we're gonna just you know talk about, uh, in my opinion. And I also know him as the serious Dennis Miller. Yeah, that's kind of what he looks like. Because- he looks like another actor too that I can't I can't figure it out, but he looks like somebody else too. Well, he was a big George Bush guy. Really? Yeah, he went from like serious Democrat to serious George Bush guy after 9-11 and then eventually voted for Barack Obama. I was reading his past before he died was just really fascinating uh, because he was incredibly intelligent, had several um, masters. I don't think he ever got a doctorate, but, you know, he spoke a couple different languages, Chinese and... Uh, I forgot the other two. Spanish, and I can't remember the other one. Maybe Italian. He was just a fascinating guy. I mean, the mo- the moment he showed up in this movie, I almost was just like, what are you doing here? Like, you don't need to be slumming it in this. Like, <laughs> That was my thing, too. I was wondering if this was like some type of passion project or like, I'm doing this for my children. Yeah, I had to be something like that. Or like, it was just a dead period for him. I don't know. But I was just, I was very curious that he was in this, I thought. Like, it was, it was very weird. He, did, he didn't need to do this. <laughs> no, it's like when you put a political thriller actor inside of like a teenager horror film. Yeah, it didn't make any sense, really. And, like, he's fine. But, like, also it just feels like he's kind of miscast, too. Because he, he he plays better, I think, villains like the Time Cop villain than this sort of, I don't know. I don't know what to, like, compare him to. But maybe, like, this maybe old-school version of a vampire. Like, this Dracula-esque vampire. I don't see him as a Dracula. It reminds me of Die Hard. When yeah. you've got, you know, like... <sighs> A really intelligent German, like, you know, he's stealing money because he wants to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it, Hans Gruber, mm-hmm. and like, Gruber was so smart and like, just a class act, but he was still like, evil. Mm-hmm. That kind of is that type of villain. Right. But at the same time, it's so goofy. The, the world, Ron Silver, like you said, he shouldn't be in this movie because I only watched him. He got me through the movie, in my opinion, but you're right. The rest of the movie I didn't pay attention to because it was a goofy horror. Like, I watched the whole thing. I was captivated at, like, what the fuck (laughs) is going on? Like, why did they do this? (laughs) Well, with with all that, let's just pop in this tape and let's get to it. Uh, We had a couple trailers. Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. Yeah, do you remember them? Uh, I don't remember the names of any of them. 
Yeah, yeah, neither do I. Uh, but I can tell you what each one is. Okay. Uh, the first one was a um, like comedy, like a family uh, comedy of like two feuding yeah. restaurant families yep. uh, coming together. And the 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 hook, I guess, of the movie is that Angelina Jolie is in it as like an, an early yeah. role as like the daughter that falls in love with uh, the son of the other family. Yeah, and it's got the big guy who always plays like an Italian mob boss. Yeah, Paul Servino Paul, is in Paul it. Paul Servino, yeah. Um, yeah, he's in it. And then every, like people you've seen in like my big fat Greek wedding and the people you see in these kind, all these kind of like family like light comedy you know screwball comedies from the 90s are all in this thing i watched it and i was like oh i should write that down (laughs) i like i i actually watched the trailers twice because i like i watched this in pieces well Mm -hmm. two pieces um and i I, so i watched the trailers twice um and i still cannot remember the name of that one at all but i know it had angelina jolie and paul zarino in it and it was like a screwball family comedy and it, it looked fine I would never probably watch it, but I wouldn't hate it if I had to see it. No, that, that was the thing. I was like, oh, I'm not watching that. <laughs> and what was the second one? Describe that. The second one was, uh, it was Helen Mirren. Uh, it was like Losing Chase or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. And it was like some, it was Kevin Bacon's directorial debut. So, of course, it has like Kira Sedgwick in it. Um, and it seems like another like family drama type thing very odd choice i guess for kevin bacon to like choose as his directorial debut kind of like a soft gentle like i think i think it's a movie about like a family coming to terms with like the death of like the matriarch of the family who is helen Mirren. but apparently it was nominated for a bunch of golden globes and she won slash was nominated specifically helen Mirren for this but i had never ever ever heard of it i think that movie the first one was called love is all there is Sure, yeah. I, I, it's gone from my brain. That one just my brain threw well, that one away. It's described as a Romeo and Juliet gets transplanted to the Bronx. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, the Helen Mirren thing. I, I, I vaguely remember that trailer now, but I do remember it's like, oh, it won awards. Okay, but I, I should, I should write that down. Uh, uh, gone. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it, but like it, uh, I never heard of it. I had never even heard of it. No, I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, losing chase losing chase like 96 97 it's a tv movie oh okay that kevin bacon had made his debut on a tv movie that's weird that's crazy oh that's right it had um bo bridges bo bridges man bo bridges is weird because he's just in a lot of things but i can't ever remember what he's in I remember him in Fabulous Baker Boys. That's about it. But that's because it's the movie with the two bridges. So that's why I remember that. <laughs> it's just, he's just a, a... He pops up and stuff. Yeah. He works. Like, he has no distinct look. He's just... <laughs> he's always like a schlubby white guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dad in most yeah. stuff, I feel like. I mean, it works. He's making his money. Glad he's getting some uh, time in front of the camera. Yeah. I, mean, I, I hope he's still alive. Going into this movie, th- this is basically three three friends. I guess feature presentation time. And now, our feature presentation. Yeah. Um, oh, no, we got to talk about the bookends. Yes. So um, the movie starts and it does like the Shadow Zone introduction or whatever. And then we get like a Crypt Keeper-like wraparound with a, a character called Reaper. Who dares disturb me? What do you think you're doing? Coming in here. Nobody leaves here until I tell them to go. Because I really 
really like company here in the Shadow Zone. The Shadow Zone can exist anywhere. In your neighborhood. At your school. Even in your own bedroom. Not the Reaper or Grim Reaper, just Reaper. Uh, that narrates or sort of introduces you to the world of Shadow Zone and the story that he's going to tell. This is bad. In my opinion. In my opinion, this is the best part of the no. movie. <laughs> this, to me, is the problem. Like, if you can't do anything as well as the Crypt Keeper, which this is clearly trying to play on, yeah, don't do it. Like, you know, if you it, do something, you know, you got Elvira, you've got all these horror hosts. Like, even what John Carpenter did in Body Bags. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> don't get someone on this makeup and their mouth barely moves. It's, it's cheap. It's cheap it's looking. Cheap. Don't do it. Get just get a character actor, you know, like, like something in. I'm thinking Tales from the Hood. Yeah. You know, obviously that's not a host, but you know he was. It is in a way. Uh, I forget the character actor's name. That he's amazing. Uh, Clarence Williams yeah. III. Clarence Williams the Third. You know, like <laughs> the shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah. just get a character actor that can just play it, ham it over the top. Don't try to be the Crypt Keeper because you can't beat it. It will never be good. And as soon as it's put on television, people will see it and be like, oh, this is a cheap Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, I get it. I get your argument. But in my opinion, this was the best part of this movie because, A, I knew nothing about this movie. I didn't read the back or anything like that. I thought that this was all going to be an anthology then. So that introduced him. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're going to get a bunch of stories and it's going to be hosted by this guy. I was like fuck yeah i'm in like this is this is everything i like in movies like (laughs) we get a goofy host we're gonna get a bunch of stories and then like about 45 minutes in when i realized that this was the only story yeah and it just had a wraparound i was like fuck (laughs) yeah i was hoping this was an anthology too and then like the main story was starring you know these kids that were on you know like the undead express or maybe it was a bunch of stories from undead people on the train right something i I thought or like there's a there's a couple points where ron silver like tells some past stories so i thought that was gonna like onion you know into like another layer of stories or whatever and then somebody in that story would tell a story you know and it would just be layers but uh, we didn't go that way. We just had one story with a wraparound. But yeah, I think I personally think the wraparound was my favorite part just because it was goofy. It was very goosebumpsy. It was very just like Halloweeny feeling. And then the story starts and man, everything just slows to a crawl for me. <laughs> well, yeah, you had the first shot where the three kids are playing basketball. And then I was like, wow, someone really likes Dutch angles and uh, having the camera, like freeform cameras, just handheld. I was like, wow, 90s everywhere. Yeah, it's very 90s when it starts. Then they calm down. They never go back to that type of camera work, and I'm so confused. We definitely, like, after, like, the credits and we get into, like, his his story, he tells, like, a story to Wes Craven early on where he's, like, getting attacked by, like, a tentacle monster and stuff like that uh, with his friends. Uh, once, Once we sort of get past that, which is, like, our opening scene of the story here... It becomes very, then it becomes very, it looks very TV movie. Oh, extreme. Like, it, it's all like just very calm camera angles. There's nothing extreme. It's like the second hand director did this entire first part, and he was like some young kid. He's like, man, I'm going to make this just look so cool. Yeah. And then, and then they just like, it's like, 
a lot of TV shows, especially in the 90s, were just like, put the camera down and let characters talk. And you're just recording characters talking, almost as if it's like a play. But that that was sitcoms, that was a lot of like dramas in the 90s and stuff like that, TV movies. So it feels very much that, which like immediately well, put me off. <laughs> it's cheaper. Yeah, it's easier. You do. You just put a camera down and you let actors talk. Yeah, you don't take as much time. You get to, you can take as many, you know, a couple shots, like four or five in the same angle. You don't have to worry about uh, checking the lighting and the camera's there. There's there's nothing. that's It's set it up, get it right, go. And then the actors can, you know, do it four or five times to get the best one. Yeah. That's why sitcoms do it. Right. And I would bet that the shoot on this, this very long movie, by the way, that's almost like our 40 minute movie, I would bet was very like a 15 day shoot or something. I bet it was very fast. Probably. I could see that because it's not shot in many uh, locations. You got your mom's apartment, dad's apartment, and the streets, which I, I wonder if they had permits for a lot yeah, of these shots. Yeah, they might have just ran, ran a gun at like, and shot then, that. And then you had an underground train. Yeah, that was it. That's it. Those are your sets in the movie. Yeah, because I was picking up on it real quick. I love these, you know, quick, cheap films that actually look nice. It's always funny when they do this. Like, it's quick, it's cheap, but it still looks nice. But the story's not good. Right, right. Because you're just just putting down a camera recording people talking. And after a while, that gets pretty boring. Uh, So, I mean, you got the main kid, Squints, who his parents are going through a divorce. The mom is like... You know, she makes the money. She wears the pants, it seems like. Maybe not wears the pants, but she makes the money. She's like, either she was an attorney or an accountant at a big firm, something. And the dad is the artist. They're getting a divorce, which causes Squints to become more and more of a tall tale. He's telling lies. Yeah. The boy, like, he even had one of the posters, the boy who cried werewolf. Yeah. And that was, like, in his dad's apartment or his room. I can't remember. I liked, uh, I liked the scattering because, like, early on, too, in the movie, he goes to, like, the video store to rent this yeah. vampire movie, which sort of leads into our, our like, full-on story of this. But I did like a lot of, like, the posters and the horror references. They're real references. They're no, not, they're like, 100. just making shit up. Like, they wa- he walks into a video store and there's posters for, like, and uh, Headhunter and, like, Evil all Dead. The Evil Dead. Yeah, like, there's... He some of the videos that he's talking the guys the video store clerk is talking about freaks yeah in the, in the I, reissue of freaks or whatever which did happen in the nineties like it's it's actually pretty accurate for like a horror fan thing I was impressed that like they got I don't know if they asked permission for all this it, I mean it's Showtime I'm sure they've got some connections they've worked with a lot of production studio you know production houses I mean obviously Hallmark with this one which I still do not get yeah. I was also trying to figure out if the movie he was watching was shot for this or if it was like another Showtime vampire movie, but I could not find it. I could no. not find that information. Well, because anytime you see that and you're like, okay, is that like the director's first film? Is it like, right. like something, right. some type of connection? Yeah, I didn't see. There's nothing on this movie. No. no one talks about it. I barely saw any reviews. Right. I mean, I basically just kind of hovered around the IMDb and the Wikipedia, but like even still like on those pages, there's nothing that I could find. No, it's weird. But yeah, so the B-plot in this is they're doing a project uh, in the school. And the girl takes the pictures, which this actress has been in a ton of 90s stuff. And then she just kind of didn't act anymore. Uh, The the JT kid, this is literally his last movie. Which, by the way, he was in uh, Theodore Rex. 
Excellent. He was Excellent. one of the kids that uh, actually yeah. went down from Theodore Rex yeah. into this, slummed it in this. <laughs> He's like, and I'm coming off something. Theodore Rex. It's one of the most expensive direct-to-move videos, and they're like, and now I'm doing this. I'm doing this Showtime Hallmark TV movie about a book from a book series that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Uh, so yeah, they they're doing a project, and they decide to basically do it on the underground subway of New York. Which I thought was, I'm like, oh, you know, that's actually a good idea, kids. But uh, so he's he's a liar and everything, and he has to go to a therapist, which is played by Wes Craven, and then it basically just he goes to his dad's and then finds a vampire in the subway. Yeah, and the vampire sort of befriends him, and the vampire's whole thing is that he wants to take his undead express, which is the the train full of vampires, uh, into the real world. Exactly. Have you never heard of Nosferatu? Yeah, yeah, he's in that movie. Black and white, 1920s. How'd you know my name? You'd be amazed at what I know. And Nosferatu isn't a he. It's a them. Vampires. We are vampires. Welcome aboard the Undead Express. So Ron Silver's vampire called Valentine? Yeah. Yeah. Like, does this typical thing where he's kind of, like, he's playing with the kid's mind. Like, you should never trust anyone. And uh, are they really your friends? I mean, you're doing all the work. You're writing this the project. She's just taking pictures. Like, trying to divide and conquer mm-hmm. to get this kid all on his side. It's like the mentor type bad guy yeah he wants but he wants them all to himself so he's like and he knows he can manipulate him to get him to take them out of the subway system and out into the real world uh yeah he's just using him and like you know doing the friend thing sort of the the uh jerry dandridge uh evil ed kind of story yeah (laughs) it's cool i i I mean no it's not really cool in this but like that type of bad guy is always it's always interesting uh with this it's just Ron Silver carrying every scene. In a, in like I know I've said it already a bunch of times, but like in a lot of scenes of them just sitting and talking. I get what you're saying, where like anytime Ron Silver's on screen, you're like watching it. I get that, but I'll, I'm also tuning out a little bit every time he comes on screen because I know that anytime he's on screen, we're gonna have a long dialogue scene. <laughs> he gives a lot of speeches. He does a lot of yeah. talking to this kid. They have a lot of like just scenes together that are just like camera point and shoot. Them sit in the mm-hmm. subway car and talk, and I'm like. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's boring. This movie's boring. There's no doubt about it. The whole thing is they, they can't escape the subway because there is, like, a light that is above the, the like, I don't know, boarded up door that they need to go out of. So, you know, the kid, whatever his name is, squints, turns off the light, him and Valentine go out, and they walk through the city. And I some of the looks from those people on the streets, I was like, man... I don't think they had permits for this. Because <laughs> the this lighting's is, not that good. This is probably, and this is probably also not even New York. This is probably like Vancouver or Toronto, yes, wherever they somewhere shot all cheaper. These, you know, Who Canadian knows? Halloween productions for children, like yeah. like the uh, Goosebumpses and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. nailed it. Toronto and Ontario. That's where it was shot. Yeah, it's t- it totally looks like that. Like yeah. that. It's not New York. 
Yeah, and it was called Vamp Express. That was the shooting title. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's just, and then one of the vampires escapes, eats a dog. They end up finding him in a graveyard. And then we see Valentine sees his dead son's, like, a gigantic headstone. I think that was his son, right? Yeah, his son. It, when he got turned into a vampire, he says that's the last time he ever saw his son. So there's like a weird connection with him and his son. And then, yeah, he's been around for so long now because he says he's been around for like hundreds of years that like the yeah. son is obviously dead now. Well, so. like, yeah, he built helped build some of the subways right. in New York. Yeah. And so that's, I don't know, he, he used to be rich and that's why he's so well-spoken and he's wearing his his cape and, he, and his top hat and he's got his nice cane and then he's surrounded by random like time traveling vampires I, I, they're like okay someone was from the roaring 20s celebrating new year's eve there was a woman there and then you had the random guy who was like a hippie mm-hmm. who just could not quit trying to be fun. like all these stupid like far out man and no. i'm like ah oh. very 90s interpretations of hippies <laughs> like oh no and, and then just i don't know a bunch of them like i just didn't care yeah i you know i guess one thing nice i'll say about the movie is the movie's not particularly graphic or anything like that but like the makeup effects on the vampires are pretty good the when he saw the construction worker down in the subway the melting of the hand in the face that was good yeah but that's really all they did until the end yeah but like the effects look good like i'll give them that like they look good yeah they're passable yeah i i mean it's the story's the problem right it's like it's you know the effects i'm sure they had some people who probably worked on tales from the crypt because they show it in the kid's bedroom which i was really surprised they had tales from the crypt comic book and i'm like i don't really think you should put a better <laughs> yeah right like don't like don't show your uh don't show your hand here because like that's what they're obviously riffing on yeah. they're, they're doing a feature length version of uh uh, Tales from the Crypt, but watered down. And it's like, oh, well, we don't want the watered down Well, We want that one. <laughs> yeah. So the kids that don't, his friends that don't believe him because he makes outrageous stories up about, hey, I'm hanging out with a vampire in the subway, the hidden part of the subway that no one knows about. Sure, buddy. Yeah. Sure. So uh, his friends go down there to help him. No, like, Valentine kidnaps the girl, and then JT and Squints go down there to save her. And then it's a setup. We've got the girl, let us out or we're going to kill you. And then they end up, he says, okay. Then they get in the train and they're riding. And then all the other vampires are about to gang up and eat the kids. And then the train goes outside and the sun melts them. Yeah. Yeah. But, But Valentine doesn't melt. And it was clearly, it was a setup. He was tired of this. He's like, I want to die. My son's dead. My family's gone. I have nothing. And I hate all these vampires I have to live with every day. Yeah. Because they're below me. (laughs) Yeah, and they all burn up in the sun uh, when the train comes up. And I was trying to figure out, yeah, like you said, like this was all obviously a setup. But I was trying to figure out, like, did they have, like, did they think this through? Like, (laughs) did did the vampires go... Oh yeah, if we go outside, we're gonna be in the sun, and like well, that kills us. Like, did they? My, I was trying to figure out what was there a line I missed or something where like they they knew getting out was gonna work. Throughout the movie, they set up all this when Valentine is around. 
time cannot be told. You know, be like mm. the clocks would freak out. Right. You saw right. the squints when he goes down to the subway the first time he sees Valentine. The the clock spinning backwards uh, when they're walking on the streets in New York. All the clocks from the like cheap guys like, hey, oh, you you want to watch? You want to watch? And then all of his watches freak out. Same thing with the digital watch on JT's wrist. Mm-hmm. So they set it up. So I think Valentine knew it was, you know, daytime, but no one else did. And maybe because the other vampires were so distracted. This is me like covering the film's butt, <laughs> which I don't really know why. Uh, but I'm assuming they were so obsessed with eating the kids that they never even thought of what part of the, you know, what time of the day it is. Man, I don't know. And they they set up the thing with the light too, because uh, there's beyond like they need the light off to go or whatever to go through the the doorway. But also like there's the scene when uh, he takes the picture of him mm-hmm. and like of Ron Silver, and he like freaks out and he looks all like fucking like Lost Boys kind of vampire. Yeah. So like I, that's what really threw me when they went through. It was like, did they know that this was gonna happen? But. I don't. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> I just didn't. So it turns out bright light burns them. Any sort of bright light. It's not just sunlight, mm-hmm. which is odd because I don't think I've ever seen that in other vampires. Maybe I have, but I don't remember. I always thought it was just UV light. Yeah, it was just yeah sunlight. But this is all lights. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably. I feel like this is just a case of like we need something. It was just e- easy. You know, it was just yeah. like an easy, easy fix for like a kid's thing. That's the only door that the vampires can get out of. That's what always kept getting me. I was like, this is the only way. Really? Yeah. The boarded up exit of the subway was the only way they could all get out. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it just, I, I would feel like there's multiple. No, it couldn't be because there was also, uh, Valentine was in the normal subway at the beginning of the film when he first saw Squints. Right. He was. Yeah. So what, all lights? But if you're down there in the subway, how the hell could Squint see you? There's got to be lights down there. There were lights. I saw them in the background. That's what threw me off. And I go, wait, wait. So is it just a bright light at a certain, like, I, I don't know. I, I just think it was just like, oh, you know, that light uh, right there is super bright and a camera. Okay, we'll go with that. Right. Yeah. N- now that you think of it, that is how he's introduced is just like with the regular people on the subway it makes and sense. then it turns and then it turns into the undead express or whatever but like if he was able to get out to lure uh squints in why didn't he just stay out then i know <laughs> i just don't think that I, it's just a bad story i i know some people worked really hard on this but this film to me is bad yeah, it's just boring. It's yeah. the worst. That's the, the worst, worst kind of bad. Yeah, it's the worst offense you could have. It's a, it's just a, a boring movie. And I was pretty tuned into it for like the first like half hour. You know, like I said, they, they had the wraparound I liked. They did the, the horror fan thing and they like stuck to it. It was pretty genuine. And I was like, okay, like the horror thing is working. I like the wraparound. But then, yeah, like I said, when I realized 35, 45 minutes into the movie that this wasn't one single, or that it wasn't a bunch of stories, and this was one single story that I was going to have to still watch for another hour, I was like, oh no, oh no. (laughs) Yeah, I, yeah, I I don't know, this was, I did not stop this much, I didn't look at my phone much, Uh, I was captivated not on like interest of the film, but I was more like motivated to get through it. 
And two, I was kind of like, it has to get better, right? <laughs> like, it has to get less boring. There's going to be, like, a freak-out moment of just... And I thought it was going to be on the train. Like, maybe the kids would stab the vamp. I don't know, something. It's a Showtime yeah. fucking production, and it's just just nothing. Yeah, nothing happens. Um, yeah, it was... I, I stuck with it, too. I watched the whole thing. Um, the only pieces I watched is that, like, I watched the beginning uh the day before and then the next day i just watched it all over again basically uh all and then all the way through so i yeah i didn't pause it either uh i was on i was looking up a lot of the information like i was on the imdb and the wikipedia while it was on but that was just like to hopefully make the time go faster for myself and like i'm listening i'm paying attention to what's going on in the movie but i'm just like oof this needs to just move yeah the best part in this is when jt the the one kid goes and he starts looking stuff up on the net if there really are vampires that explains a lot what I checked out the net people all over have seen them and believe in them so you know maybe there's some truth to what you say but anyway on one of the pages it said if a vampire tastes your blood they're like in you and you do vampire things and want vampire things and you know you said that yeah yeah, yeah yeah but what did it say about light did it say anything like why it burns them it's the ultraviolet the uv it's like a tanning book yeah, the very uh, early or mid '90s uh, geo sites. Yeah, uh, yeah, very out- like I love the oh, outdated technology. I love it. The green text on the black, yep. like, charcoal background, and he's just going through and looking. He's just like, oh my gosh, someone. There's one link that says vampires in the subway. Yeah, and then he sort of be- starts to believe his friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I then that's when I realized uh, I think I'm JT. <laughs> Because that's like exactly what I, I don't know, just go on Google. Yeah, let's go on the net. <laughs> I know, I loved it. The net. Yeah, I was very So nice. I was like surfing the net last night, <laughs> and I saw something on Vampires in the Subway, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm that dude. <laughs> that's exactly what I did at that time period. I, uh, I don't even think I had the net in 96. <laughs> you know, I don't think I had a computer till Windows 98, so. I think ours was 97 when we got it. Yeah, so I didn't even, I... This was all foreign to me. But actually, I was pretty impressed. Like, uh, the geo site they did use uh, in this looks pretty advanced, I assume, for 96. I would I would think 96 would look a little worse. It looked pretty good. It looked like whoever, like, designed that uh, old site, you know, they knew what web design was. Right. They had, yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it had some uh, technique to it. All right. Let's move on to the museum. the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we put something in the museum and we go out like Indy into the film jungle, bring something back, good or bad. I'm going to let you go first. I, I guess I'll, I'll give you the, the two good things that I liked about the movie. I like the wraparound uh, a lot. It's just, it's very goosebumpsy. It's very like just cheesy, Halloween-y. This is, that's my bread and butter. I love the fucking, like, Halloween productions for children that are made in Canada. Like the Goosebumps and the, all the R.L. Stein adaptations and everything like that from the 90s I love. The, the Casper sequels and stuff like that. That's all my shit. I love all that. So I was so excited when the wraparound started, but then the movie ended up yeah. not being that. <laughs> it ended up being a snoozer. Uh, so I like that a lot. And then the other thing I liked a lot, which is also sort of a bookend of just the, the story within the story 
Wes Craven was fun to watch in this, actually. And then having him, of course, be like the vampire at the end was really fun. Yeah, I thought he was going to be the Reaper. Or yeah. Reaper. Yeah, but they just like they just came back to the graveyard after you know he turns yeah. and looks at the camera and has like the thriller eyes. Um, but it's that, he's having like I always like when Wes Craven shows up in movies that aren't his because which he's, he's only done a few times, but he has done it a couple times. Uh, he always gives it a hundred percent. He's like, trying. Yeah, Wes, he's like yeah, I'll be this uh, counselor for this kid in in the school or whatever, and he's owning it and he's doing a good yeah. job. And then he does the silly turn to the camera at the end, and I'm like yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. his eyes glow and but see the thing is, is like i have a good and bad in this my bad is uh the crypt the, the reaper i to me i was like no this is bad uh, <laughs> you, you were you were eating up the cheesiness my problem was the movie wasn't cheesy enough for this bookend like you wasted it yeah. like if you're gonna go cheesy go cheesy mm-hmm. stick without it throughout the film you know just have the kid like i've been watching horror movies my whole life i know what's happening and he like puts it together through like videos that he goes to the video store go back to the clerk and make it goofy don't like why did you go so vampire serious he's like i've been down here since the 1890s and i'm like oh snooze kids don't want to see that no no make it fun kids aren't like oh yeah i want to watch this vampire like be sad about being 100 years old or whatever like they want to see flashy stuff yeah give me some monsters and shit they're like let's make interview of the vampire for children no yeah. No, no one wants that. No kid wants that. But we'll push enough buttons so that it's PG-13 and yeah. not just PG, which it makes no sense to me. No. Uh, the, the good thing on this was like, and I think you should have gone farther, was the video store, was the, you know, the kid. Like, at least he wasn't slight, you know, he wasn't crazy Corey Feldman where he's got all the masks mm-hmm. and everything. This kid's bedroom actually appeared real. He had posters and magazines and yeah. books. Like, that that bedroom was my bedroom when yeah. I was you know this kid's age or whatever like the Fangoria magazines and the Tales from the yeah. Crypt comics and the the horror movie posters he has like one like bust of a horror like one like not like the Corey Feldman thing where he's no. got like a million of them he's got like one zombie bust no that's that's, it. that's why you can never have the like special effects guys uh, dress a room like that because they go crazy right right. This kid was me. I wasn't Corey Feldman. I was this kid. You know, a little more normal. (laughs) If you would have thrown some baseball magazines in there, and it would have been, like, basically mine. Also, like, I just had a bunch of random comic books and weird shit. Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, you should have gone farther than that. You should, that's where you should have started your script. Okay, we've got an old vampire, and we've got a horror movie geek who, like, doesn't have many friends, and the friends he does have, he lies to because his family's going on a divorce, he doesn't like his life. Start there. Build. Yeah, they should have. They definitely should have leaned more into that, for sure. Because yeah. the horror stuff was genuine. It, it was. was. It was 100%. For, it's like, for a change. <laughs> yeah, most of the time it's like, ugh. And then they'll have, like, a friend, like, oh, hi, Carpenter. You yeah. know, like, oh, at least you didn't do that. I yes. didn't, so... Because that gets so old. Yeah, it's it, been done so many times. It's an, And it's almost never done well. This was genuine. This was the way you yeah. do it. Yeah, had a few good things, but I think uh, our biggest opinion of it is it was just too snoozy. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird enough tape that, like, if you came across it in the wild, maybe get it. Like, but it is the movie's boring. Like, I don't, I can't no. really recommend the movie, but it is a weird enough tape to maybe want to add to your horror collection that, like, maybe you want to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, I'm fifty fifty on this one. Yeah, if you want to just collect, you know, bad Tales from the Crypt ripoffs, then maybe. 
But it's not even close enough to Tales from the Crypt because it doesn't have that witty, dark humor. And it's not, you know, blood, guts, boobs. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. know. Oh, the I, Tales from the Crypt, I would wonderfulness. Say, I would say skip it. You can see it free on Tubi. Yeah, um, if you need to see it. Uh, but I almost, you, I, don't, I feel like you don't need no, to see it. It's too I feel, boring. I feel like what you would rather do is own it as like a weird collector yes. thing, but never watch it. <laughs> it's too boring to sit through. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, you want to watch a kid's horror film, teenage horror film with the, the dude from Sandlot? Sweet. <laughs> uh, not that kid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, squints. <laughs> Which is a weird selection. All right, that's going to end it this week. Uh, this is a dartboard one. I'm glad we did it because I never would have picked this film. Yeah, I'm glad I found I know at some point I would have watched this movie because, like, I've, oh. already, I've always known about it. You know, I knew that they had this Showtime uh, thing. So I, I didn't yeah. know. I thought it would be maybe an anthology or something like that. So I wasn't quite sure what it was. But I was always sort of aware of this movie. So I would have seen it eventually. I'm glad we did it. I've seen it. I'll never see it again, though. <laughs> no, and I think I'm just going to continue to dartboard these. Might as well. Yeah. Might so well. my my second dartboard selection was uh, Mario Brothers. And by dartboard, I mean I random. It's randomized numbers. And I was like, well, we can't do that. We already talked two hours on that shit. <laughs> So we got a third one coming up. Oh, my other selection, which will be next week, uh, which is funny because that's one you and I saw at um, like a, a resale shop. Mm-hmm. We're not going to say the name of it. You got to come back. Got to come back next week and listen. Yeah, for a 90s thriller that wasn't made in the 90s. There, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Remember to be kind. And rewind. For a while there, I really thought Zack was going to join me here in the Shadow Zone permanently. Well, maybe next time. If you'll excuse me, I believe I have other guests. You know, people are just dying to get in here. <laughs> maybe next time. 